Hello again, Share Lifers. Welcome to the reading of noise. We are reading the third chapter entitled, The Noise of the Flesh is Loud. Last week in the second chapter, when the world screams for your attention, Mr. Copley reminded us of the principalities that rule over this world and why the world constantly wants us distracted. We as Christians must keep our focus on Christ and not get caught up loving the things of this world, nor behaving as the world behaves. And we must constantly pursue God so as to block out the noise of Satan. If this is your first time here, I highly suggest that you start at the beginning. The first two chapter readings can be found on my channel or also on my podcast. The playlist on YouTube is titled Noise. So again, thank you for joining me as we continue on this journey, reading The Noise of the Flesh is Loud. One of the aspects of Christianity that has always confused and irritated me at the same time is the fact that once a person accepts Jesus Christ as his Lord and personal Savior, his spirit within him is renewed, but the body, the flesh, remains the same. It irritated me because at the time, no one had told me that it was only my spirit man that was renewed and that my body was not renewed. There used to be an old Baptist church song our grandparents and parents sang that compounded my confusion. The song talked about what they felt happened after the born-again experience took place, and part of the song went something like this. I looked at my hands, and they looked new. I looked at my feet, and they looked new, too. I understood what they were saying. In their minds, their born-again experience was so transforming that it affected physical change as well. But that is so far from the truth. In fact, it is that misconception of being born again in the flesh that has confused so many young Christians, and it has caused many to fall by the wayside. And the enemy uses this confusion to create noise in the lives of believers. Don't get me wrong, some people may have experienced some kind of physical effect from their spiritual experience, like a warm glow all over their body, brightness of the face, light in the eyes, or even the feeling of standing in a strong breeze. However, such physical effects are not long-term and does not happen to everyone. Remember when Moses went up to Mount Sinai to obtain the Ten Commandments from God, and he was there for a number of days? When he returned to the camp, the people said that his entire face glowed so brightly that they had to place a cloth over his face. You can find that story in Exodus 34, 29-33. That interaction with God had such a profound effect on Moses that it even affected his physical body. But not even that glow was permanent. Eventually it wore off, although the experience Moses had with God never went away. The day you are born again, take a look at your hands and your feet. They will still be the same. In fact, if you had a bald head before you got saved, chances are you had a bald head after you got saved. If you had skinny arms before you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord, 
You still had skinny arms after that experience. The flesh is minimally affected during the born again experience. We must remember that man is a tripartite being, which means he's made up of three parts, spirit, soul, and body. When we confess Jesus Christ as Lord of our lives, our spirit man is immediately changed and transformed, and we become a new creation. See 2 Corinthians 5.17, which that new creation never existed before. That is something that God himself does, and it is indeed supernatural. I don't think many of us can actually wrap our minds around the concept of being transferred from one kingdom to the next in a matter of seconds, because it's a spiritual act and not a physical one. We take it for granted that something like that happens, but some Christians really don't know what that means. It is a purely spiritual conversion. We were transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And all we had to do was believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord and we were saved. Immediately, our spiritual destination changed. You may have been on a road that led to death and destruction, but suddenly you were placed on a new road that led to life and light. Now, unfortunately, this is where most Christians stop as far as the regeneration process is concerned. They get born again in their spirit man, and then they leave it as that. And as a result, the noise of their flesh is much louder than the leading of the Holy Spirit. They try to live by certain rules, either ones they pull from the Bible out of context, ones that their denomination made up for them, or ones they make up for themselves. But they find themselves breaking those rules too often. They cannot understand if they're saved or born again, why is it that for some strange reason, they still want to do certain things that are against the nature of their born again spirit? They are confused as to why they continue to think certain thoughts or why they have certain urges that reflect behavior of the old man. The devil uses this to his advantage. The Apostle Paul could relate to such a struggle and articulated it well when he pointed out in Romans 7 and 15, I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. Paul went on to explain that if he did the things he did not want to do, it was a result of sin living in his body causing him to do it. That's why he concluded that there was nothing good living in his sinful nature. In Romans 7, 21 through 23, it states, For I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, raging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. Hmm. A lot of us would admit that after we got born again, the very next day, the sin in our body began to rise up again. We were confused. Some of us concluded, see, I knew this Christianity thing didn't work. That's why some believers find themselves going up to the altar every Sunday to get born again. 
because they felt it didn't work the first time. In their minds, they felt that if they had been saved the first time, they would not be thinking those kinds of thoughts or they would not act like they did in the past. So they feel the need to get saved again and again. Many Christians don't know what's going on, but it is the noise of their flesh that is still screaming in their ear. And the noise of the flesh is something that never seems to cease or go away. In fact, it lives with us every single day as long as we are still alive. The devil takes advantage of this loophole in our born-again experience. Most newly born-again Christians, and even some believers who have been saved for a while, have no idea that their flesh is still very much alive, and it craves certain things, habits, and experiences that does not line up with the Bible or with their born-again spirit. And so they get into this tug of war with their flesh and their born again spirit. To some, this constant battle is inevitable and they consider it just something we all have to deal with once we decide to become Christians. But the battle does not have to be as challenging as some people make it out to be. The difference in whether or not fighting with the flesh becomes a constant battle or a walk in victory all boils down to knowledge. Once we begin to grasp what is happening to us and understand it, we can begin to approach it from a better perspective. Paul in the same letter to the Romans, was so frustrated with this tug of war between his spirit man and his flesh that he shouted out, O wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? That's in Romans 7 and 24. He answered his own question in the very next verse. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. In other words, it is only through the Lord Jesus Christ that we can overcome the desires, lust, and pull of the flesh. It sounds simple saying it, but really knowing who we are in Christ and walking in such a revelation will take some work on our part. What needs to happen is once a person has gone through the regeneration of being born again in his spirit man, that person then has to get his soul to line up with his new creation spirit. How is that done? By renewing the mind. That's why the Bible encourages us to renew our minds so that we can begin to think godly thoughts. Here's what the scripture says. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's the first part of Romans 12 and 2. The soul is made up of our mind, will, and emotions. The mind controls the will and emotions, so once the mind is renewed, it can begin to get the rest of the soul in check. And by the way, renewing the mind is not a one-time event. It is a continuous process where we get into the Word of God on a consistent basis, Word of God, so that it can eventually change the way we think. Help us to control our soul nature and be in a better position to fend off the noise and the distraction which the enemy brings through our flesh. 
The reason why studying the Bible has to be a consistent habit is because we never get the full understanding of scripture the first, the second, or the third time we read it. So we have to be consistent. Once the soul lines up with the word of God, it will become more sensitive to the new born again spirit. That means a Christian then begins to be in tune to his renewed spirit and becomes more sensitive to the presence and leading of the Holy Spirit. This allows the believer the ability to make changes in the way he thinks about life based on his new spirit and the word of God. It's that process of renewing the mind that can help Christians determine what kinds of thoughts they allow their minds to dwell on. Once his new recreated spirit begins to effectively communicate with his renewed mind, the Christian can then make better choices and would soon begin to see his thinking and his emotions line up with the born-again experience. In fact, Paul said that once the mind is renewed, then we can understand what the good and acceptable and perfect will of God is in our lives. Once the soul is renewed, it is the mind, will, and emotions that will control the body. That is the final step of the total regeneration process. The born-again spirit brings the soul in line, which then brings the body in alignment. While that process sounds simple, the truth is it is not as simple as it sounds. In fact, depending on how committed one is to renewing his mind, That will determine how quickly or how long it takes for this process of getting the body to line up with one's born-again spirit. But here is where the problem comes in. Most Christians, after they are born again, never take up the challenge of renewing their minds. They go to church, but they never commit themselves to putting in the time to begin the mind renewal process. Why? Because it's a lot of work and it demands discipline. It requires individuals to be responsible for their own spiritual growth. And the truth is, not that many people are willing to take on that responsibility. They still believe the responsibility lies in the hands of the pastor or the preacher. So what these individuals will find is that the noise of the flesh screams so loudly that their unrenewed minds find it easy to give in to the cravings of the flesh. Paul calls these people carnal Christians. They are called carnal because they are ruled and dominated by their flesh. In Romans 8, 5 through 7, it states, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires, but those who live in accordance with the spirit have their mind set on what the spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. In other words, these are people who have gone through the born again experience, but only as far as their spirit is concerned. They have failed to renew their minds which in turn means they have failed to bring their flesh in line with their spirit, which, by the way, is how the Holy Spirit communicates to us. God will always communicate and lead us through our renewed spirits and not by our flesh. So if we are unable to hear our spirit, then it will be difficult to hear God or to have the Holy Spirit lead us. 
Perhaps that can explain why carnal Christians are always struggling with mental and physical sins. They find it easy to slip up and give in to the fleshly nature. In fact, it gets to a point where the enemy does not even have to tempt them much in order to get them to mess up. The noise in their flesh causes them to give in continually and easily. For so many Christians in this predicament, they end up having a hardened heart or become so carnal that while here on earth, they live a defeated Christian life and it negatively affects their testimony. The more mature Christians are the ones who have taken their born-again experience through all of the processes and who continue to renew their minds, which keeps their flesh somewhat in check. I say somewhat because even the most mature Christians still have to battle the noise of the flesh. This is the frustrating aspect of the born-again experience that I mentioned earlier. No matter how much you renew the mind, there is one thing that will continually be an Achilles heel for even the mature Christian among us. And that's the fact that our flesh will never be renewed while we live here on this earth. In other words, as long as you live here on earth, you will constantly have to keep an eye on your flesh. You cannot ever get to the point in your Christian walk where you say, okay, I've renewed my mind and my flesh is under control and that's it. Anyone who ever thinks that way is setting himself up for a fall. The flesh will never be redeemed until Christ comes back for his church. That means all of us have to watch our bodies, our fleshly nature, like a hawk and never think that we have arrived. Remember, the flesh will constantly be making noise, trying to get your attention. The call of the flesh can be so strong that even the mature among us can fall prey to it. Every day you awake, open your eyes and get out of the bed, your flesh will begin talking to you, putting forth suggestions and cravings that you know you left behind years ago after you were born again, but the noise never stops. This is where many believers fall. They may get so relaxed in the fact that they have been born again for so many years that now they feel free to take their eye off their body. Imagine having been born again for 20, 30, or even 40 years and one day wake up and have your flesh begin lusting or craving sexual fulfillment outside of marriage. You've been saved for decades and still your flesh may want to punch someone in the mouth that they said something bad about your kids. Perhaps now you can understand why some Christians get tired of fighting the flesh and give in to the noise. The battle can be so intense, at times so engaging that it can actually wear you out. But just as persistent the noise or the cravings of the flesh may be, so must be our commitment to remain vigilant in keeping ourselves on the path of righteousness. We must constantly renew our minds, but be aware of the fact that we will be in a constant battle with our bodies and even with our minds. Sometimes we may need to literally run away in order to keep our flesh from sin. I can hear you asking the question, you mean if I find myself in a compromising position or in a situation where temptation is too strong for me, I should take off running? Yeah. That's exactly what I'm saying. That's what Joseph did when Potiphar's wife tried to pull him into bed to sleep with her. 
The Bible says that Joseph left some of his clothes and ran out of the house. It may not have seemed like the macho thing to do, but it got the result Joseph needed. And you can find that story in Genesis 39, 12, and 13. Too often Christians forget that their bodies are not yet redeemed. And so they take their eyes off of it and tend to let it run free. It's the kind of opening the enemy constantly looks for. In fact, he may not attack you right away. If you take your eyes off the flesh, especially if he knows that once you feel you can get away with giving in to your cravings once, you would do so even more in the future. He will strike when he feels he's got you hooked. Paul knew too well the body could cause a Christian to go off course. And so he took a serious stand when he said, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. 1 Corinthians 9 and 27. That may seem like a rather stringent measure, but sometimes such measures are needed in order to keep us from falling. Paul knew the consequences that his fall from grace would have on so many churches around the world. He was a man who wrote more than half of the New Testament, and so he had preached to many people, and hundreds were born again under his ministry. If the devil could have gotten someone like Paul to fall in disgrace, he would have reaped a harvest of many souls into his dark kingdom. Paul knew his responsibility, and so he was willing to take drastic measures, if need be, to avoid such a tragedy. There are many influential and successful preachers, pastors, teachers, evangelists, and prophets who have done much to advance the kingdom of God, but whom the devil is fighting hard, hoping to get them to fall from grace. Even these people who have become mighty warriors in the army of God still have to keep an eye on their flesh and not give in to the noise of their old nature. Remember that your flesh will always make noise as long as you are alive. Sometimes the noise will not be as loud as other times, but you can believe that the noise will be constant. Here is a suggestion. When your flesh begins to make noise, you make noise back with prayer and worship to God. It's hard to concentrate on the desires or the noise of the flesh when you're busy praising God out loud. Well, folks, that is the end of chapter three. Next week on April 9th, we will get started reading the fourth chapter entitled Distracted from Fulfilling Purpose. Sounds pretty interesting, don't you think? I look forward to you joining me next week. And thank you so much for joining me this week.